Hey everybody, before we get into this episode on the Evil Dead with Bash Ortega, I wanted to give you a quick heads up that this episode was recorded several months ago. Uh, it was recorded before I went on my wedding hiatus, and at that time, the article that Bash mentions in here was in still in development. That article is actually out now on horrorpress.com, and the article is an interview with me, of Bash interviewing me, and it was a really fun time. So if you want to read that interview uh, that I gave to HorrorPress, head over to HorrorPress.com or go to the links in the show notes if you want to know a little bit more about this guy talking right now. All right, guys, enjoy the episode, and happy Halloween. Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brecker, and today on the show, I am joined by Bash Ortega, writer over at HorrorPress.com, and today we are discussing the cult classic Sam Raimi, just crazy student film, The Evil Dead from 1981. Hello, Bash. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, yeah, no problem. I'm super excited. So, Bash, would you mind uh, just telling me and the folks a little bit about yourself and everything that you do over at Horror Press. Sure, yeah. So I'm a writer at Horror Press, um, which is a fairly new gig for me. I'm super excited to be there. Um, I do a couple articles a month. Uh, my most recent one is actually one interviewing, or actually coming out next month, is one interviewing you. And then I have an article that I think once this comes out, this your podcast episode comes out will have just be published uh and it's about the experience of reading horror books as a kid so like a nice little nostalgia piece um yeah it was different and fun for me um but other than that i do art and some music as well um if you want to look at my art i'm ratking.all.hail on instagram um and i kind of do like a mix of pop art and street art so it's like a lot of bright colors but like skulls and spooky stuff nice and i'll be sure to put links for for those accounts in the show notes so everybody can check out your art pieces too and your articles on horde press i did want to say just because i know a lot of people that follow me are like huge stranger things fan or huge fans of stranger things and you get to go to you get to go do that stranger things experience uh oh yeah in new york how, how was that that was really fun. Um, and also now that I'm watching, I just started watching the fourth season. I was doing a rewatch, so I'm finally getting to it. Um, but now that I'm rewatching it, I'm like, oh, that was in the Stranger Things experience. That was in the Stranger Things experience. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was like, it was very cute. They had a lot of really cool effects. And I think that like a lot of the video effects look really, really good. Um, so definitely worth going to, I think. Super cool. So if people want to read more about your kind of like Stranger Things experience, uh, you wrote a nice little article about that over at Horde Press. And mm-hmm. of course, the interview you did with me, which was so much fun. I had a lot of yeah. fun chatting with you during Very that. Fun. I fear that the only way to stop those possessed by the spirits of the book is through the act of bodily dismemberment. Today on the show, we are discussing the evil dead from 1981 and i actually sent you like a little list of movies that i kind of had on my radar that i wasn't 
sure which one I wanted to go with yet, but uh, and you were the one, and you were the one that actually said, "Hey, I want to do the Evil Dead." So, mm-hmm. could you tell me a little bit about why you wanted to talk about the Evil Dead, your history with it, and and everything? Yeah, I've watched this movie so many times. I think because I just like want to show all my friends this movie. Um, because I think the first time I watched it, I was in high school, and I knew, or maybe like between high school and college. Um. But I knew about it, and I had seen Cabin in the Woods, which is why I wanted to watch it. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's an 80s movie. It's not going to be that scary. Like, I'm, I get scared pretty easily, which is, like, not great for someone who writes about <laughs> horror. Um, <laughs> I think that but, makes you the perfect subject, though, to, like, get right, into it. I'll get spooked at whatever they actually want me to. But I was like, right. yeah, this movie's not going to be that scary. And then it, like, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> um it's just so tense and like the scene where um like the pencil stabbing that was just the most visceral thing i'd ever seen for some reason um and i feel like i bring it up all the time whenever i'm thinking about like horrifying horror movie moments i mean that scene specifically it's tough because it's it's a pencil you know it's not like a knife it's not like something that's meant to like be a wedge into things and we've all have held a pencil before and like yeah. probably pressed it against something so like we just know how uncomfortable that would be like how much force that would probably take and like you know your ankle ah it's like that scene from um, a pet cemetery you know mm-hmm. yeah. and she like really digs it in there too <laughs> yeah she like wiggles it around like she's trying to like just create this opening in this poor person's foot mm-hmm. uh i believe it was linda that got stabbed yeah mm-hmm. that's uh it's not great but i loved that you said that the cabin in the woods is what made you want to watch the evil dead because similar to you, I saw the cabin in the woods first and when, you know, just kind of watching other horror reviews and things like that, a lot of people kept talking about how the evil dead is like the reference point for the cabin in the woods. I was like, Oh, I got to check that out. And I was a pretty late bloomer to the evil dead. I actually didn't watch it for the first time until this year. I don't really have an excuse as to why it took me so long to get to it. Besides that, it just did. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm just like, oh, wow. So this is where the Kevin Woods is like getting this. This is where it's getting that. And it's it was honestly a lot of fun to kind of go into it with like that odd lens of like this influencing something that I really enjoy and kind of like now getting to like the source of where they were inspired to do things with and it's it's a lot of fun the cabin looks the same setup is kind of similar the whole cellar door and them going down there and finding all these trinkets and then unleashing <laughs> deadite hell on themselves it's it, it's a lot of fun yeah and it's funny because i feel like uh evil dead it's not a satire but it's like it's pretty campy and funny and then to have a satire movie like based on this weird goofy campy movie is just like almost meta in and of itself this is probably one of the campiest movies i think i could like ever think of or watch it is extreme it's just extreme to like everything and Mm -hmm. because you and i've been planning this for several weeks and i've watched this movie probably like three four times in the last three four weeks and i Watch this with the director's commentary with Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, and the producer. Not necessarily going through like their thought process or like why they did scenes a certain way. It was just kind of more just like a history of like their relationships with each other and like 
kind of how the movie got made from like a logistical standpoint not so much of like this is why i decided to do this it Mm -hmm. was basically just like sam raimi wanted to just do a bonkers fucking crazy movie um and he, he succeeded in that i think this is the most like one of the most successful like student films i think uh he was at the michigan state university msu with bruce campbell and his producer and that's like where they met and he said he thought of the idea for the evil dead while taking it while in a history class and they were discussing the book of the dead for some culture he didn't disclose which that sounded like an interesting class to be in for that day but yeah that's like kind of like where he got his idea was just literally sitting in a class at msu them discussing uh like a book of the dead which was one of the early titles for this movie it was really funny listening to him go over like his different treatments for like the script and everything because he said that like when him and his director friends would get together and just like shoot stuff they they wouldn't write scripts he would write like bullet point outlines of things he wanted to happen but they would but like, they wouldn't write dialogue or anything like that they would kind of just make it up as they go along which the first 20 minutes of this movie is like the most kind of like scripty script part of it where it's like you know they show up they have like these different exchanges of dialogue and like we they, trying to establish relationships with everybody but then like the last hour of it is just fucking chaos it's just like the exorcist for like mm-hmm. the last hour of this movie it is so chaotic yeah, yeah i love how campy it is yeah and then like if you look at where the franchise goes after that like evil dead 2 i haven't actually seen it in its entirety i've sat down to watch it twice and fallen asleep both times oh no um but like that's a almost a satire movie um and then like army of darkness and then ash versus the evil dead and also evil dead the musical are all just like bonkers and off the wall and silly so i I say student film he actually wasn't a student when he made this he was very young he was only 20 years old when he made this movie but he did say that you know, he wasn't used to like writing dialogue or writing scripts, and he never had to do that until he took a screenwriting course at MSU, and that was like the first time he ever had to write dialogue. But I loved every time he talked about when he was like raising money for this, and he would like show this movie to like people, and he showed this to one of his um, film school teachers, and his teacher really did not like the movie and his teacher just said it's as if you learned nothing in my class oh no (laughs) i know he was like you can't have five minutes of setup and then an hour of the exorcist is like what like the teacher said he's like there's like not a whole lot of like plot going on here it's just crazy for being crazy sake which Mm -hmm. like fair but i feel like that speaks to a lot of people though like a lot of people are okay with that (laughs) (laughs) it is and i think like one of the cooler stories of like when they were first realizing that they had something was when they the first time that they like ever showed this to like a large audience and they didn't do like test screening because this was i think what he called like regional like movie making kind of like it wasn't like a big like distributor or production company or studio that picked this movie up. It was like a regional thing in Detroit that picked up this movie. And then they filmed it in Tennessee. When they first showed this, they showed it to, the, uh, it was like one of the big theaters and it holds like a thousand people. And they pretty much like filled 
the the auditorium for it. They had no idea how people were going to react to it because they, you know, of course they didn't do like test screenings or anything like that. They would kind of just like show it to like friends and family, but like that's about as much feedback as that, that they would get. And they were kind of expecting people to hate it, but they said like people loved it and were like were laughing and cheering in it. <laughs> and at the end of it, this old woman asked to meet the filmmakers and she went up to them and they thought that she was about to like chew them out for like producing something so gross and grotesque. And she just said, I have had the worst day and this movie just made me laugh and it made me smile. I just want to say thank you. This was a wild, wacky ride and I really enjoyed this. Aww, <laughs> that's so sweet. Which is sweet, but they all like thought like, oh no, an old person like this. Is it actually good? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it is so funny. Um, but so, you know, in terms of like, you know, what are like kind of like my opinions about this movie? I, I really like it. I don't know if I'm like as in love with this movie as the rest of the horror community, but I do really enjoy it, especially all that stuff from the technical standpoint. The The camera work is really good. The sound design is really good. The makeup, you know, as like cheap as it looks, it like works for some reason in this. Mm -hmm. um, it's I very love... like gooey and visceral kind of. Yes, exactly. Yes. It, it, gooey is a great word for it. And it's, it, I don't know, it, it, it just kind of has like all like the right pieces for like the magic to work. And you kind of do get all of these elements of where like Sam Raimi has all of these like great directorial chops, you know? So I felt like, because of that the movie ends up like working really well yeah i really like it you know i i don't know as much about like the actual filming side of it um but i think just from like a service level like enjoyment standpoint i think it's really fun um and fun to watch and also shocking enough to show my friends who don't like horror movies and watch them squirm about it right uh, which is pretty fun um i keep you know involving myself with friends who don't like horror and i'm like come on like i just i need you to watch something with me so this is this is a fun one to show people because it's goofy it's funny uh the effects are really interesting um like the stop motion scene at the end is one of my favorite scenes like in any mm. horror movie just because it's so different yeah, I mean it's it's kind of cool though because like it it does feel very like student filmish though because like mm -hmm. you know they kind of like all go through like stop motion and it's kind of like all right I'm using the kind of like, these tools that I've learned I'm gonna kind of gonna use that sort of in my climax part of this movie yeah um, I, I think that's very cool. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins. A volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturan de Manto, roughly translated Book of the Dead. The book is bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. It deals with demons, demon resurrection, and those forces which roam the forest and dark bowers of man's I think one of my favorite close-ups that he does in this movie isn't actually even of a character. It's of, he's like super zoomed in on the ground and it's when, uh, it's like towards like the middle of the movie and we could hear the archaeologist tape going and he's reciting the Necronomicon mm -hmm. and like the earth is cracking 
and is like you know going up and down we see like this red smoke come out and he's just like super zoomed in on the ground but i love this because within the frame you can still see the cabin really small off in the distance you know in the top left corner of the screen and i really like this because it's showing like the impending danger that's coming and that like mm-hmm. it's close to our characters because we can still see the cabin it works so well i love stuff like yeah. that I think this movie is really good at that in particular because you have sort of like the perspective of the evil that's like zooming around in the woods and then obviously like zooms toward the cabin at the very end of the movie when like Ash is presumably supposed to like walk off into the sunrise and be safe. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool because like it almost seems inescapable and like always coming for you, which I think is pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. It's like unrelenting. And mm-hmm. watching this movie, it's something that I've never like thought of before. It's like when if like the woods themselves were possessed, you know, like like the trees are like I don't want to say I have autonomy, but the trees will move and like, you know, really like <laughs> like attack you actually. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's very interesting because it's kinda like it feels like that like there's kind of like two like forces going on here there's like the force of nature like with the trees and the bridge like fucking up and everything and then you have inside the cabin with all the deadites but just wreaking havoc and it's just like there isn't really like a safe space to go to in this movie yeah you can't stay in the cabin because things are going absolutely insane and then if you go out into the woods you can't like get any cover because the trees are out for you too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it, it's completely bad shit um i you talked about the, the zooming of the camera which is one of my favorite things of this honestly the first like 40 minutes of this movie i fucking love it's so good i love all the setup we get like just the camera zooming over the swamp and the woods the 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 car just through the woods up to the cabin and like the cameras brushing through the limbs and the leaves and it's like kind of foreshadowing what those like branches are going to do and it's and then we we get the the swinging uh or the banging of the swing hitting up against the Mm -hmm. the cabin and it stops as soon as scotty gets the keys it's just like these characters are getting all the signals that like hey this is this is totally messed up this this place is just literally ringing the dinner bell as you're like coming up here (laughs) it's it's fantastic i love all the setup for it pretty much everything that's happening should say like turn around now (laughs) yeah yeah without like and it's clever because it's like the cabin itself is the harbinger there isn't like a person saying oh you don't want to go to that cabin that cabin's haunted or like Mm -hmm. those woods are possessed there's no character like that it's just like yeah this has a creepy vibe we probably shouldn't be here made me think about when i was watching this too about all these like awful things that are happening to our characters i correct me if i'm wrong but i think that this is one of the rare cases where our victims our characters are kind of like without sin they didn't really do anything i mean they they went into the cellar and broke out the the necronomicon and played the tapes and everything which is like horror movie stupid logic you probably shouldn't have done that but there wasn't like nobody's doing drugs nobody's having sex nobody is like a mean person there was like there wasn't like any sort of real like moral rule broken so it was like kind of interesting to see like these people that really haven't done anything besides show up to a cabin and have all these awful things happen to them. It I found that very interesting that he didn't incorporate any sort of like mor- morality rule breaking in this. It almost makes it more tragic 
or not more tragic, but you know, you're like, especially seeing Ash and yeah, with Ash and Linda, um, you know, they obviously like have a very loving relationship. He gives her the uh the necklace the necklace and it sort of sets them up as like this nice young very much in love couple and so it makes it more tragic uh whenever linda ultimately is possessed and they're separated um and then also like just thinking from ash's perspective all his friends are dead now and sister yeah yeah like if, you know, presumably at the end of the movie, he did go home, like, what would he be going home to, you know? Exactly. Comes to that line where it's like, what are you going to do to, like, preserve your loved ones? You know, are you going to go ahead and kill them now that they're possessed? Or are you trying to get around that at any point? Yeah, it's it, it's kind of messy. Right. And one quick note is that I did read on IMDb that Sam Raimi wanted them to be smoking weed during the scene where uh, the tape recorder plays. I don't know how true that is because the only place I saw that was IMDb and apparently they had to like redo the take because he had them actually smoking and they like kept acting too (laughs) silly for the take. So who knows how true that actually is, but. That's crazy to think that they were too silly for this movie. Like, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyways, back to the initial point. Um, yeah, it makes uh, Ash really sympathetic. And then also, um, at the end of the movie, when he burns the Necronomicon, all the Deadites die too. So it seems like, you know, sure they were possessed, but also, like, it's not a possession that you can just cleanse and get on with it. Right, yeah. It's almost as if, like, the Necronomicon was kind of like, just a recipe book you know mm-hmm. but like the chef is still out there in the woods yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i i loved everything that had to do with the cellar i mean the, fr- from the moment that door fucking pops open mm-hmm. um and like they go down there and everything they come back up and they play the tapes and we see that inky clouds come over the moon it's just so good i i like i said i love like the first like 20 40 minutes of this movie it's so good i think like my only gripe is that like for like the last 40 minutes or so it's it's a lot of chaos i just kind of wish there was like a little bit more there there but i get but i get it you know it's it's just like gory fun and i appreciate that but when i was watching it last night as a refresher for this i was like wow there's like just no dialogue for like the last like 40 minutes of this movie it's just ash running around just trying to just bop all these dead eyes <laughs> yeah it's not a very plot heavy movie so let's get into the sub genre categorization of this movie because um, you're kind of talking about how it's not they're not exactly zombies they're not I mean, like, they are possessed, but, you know, it's just, like, what is it? And those are are questions I wrote down, like, are Deadites zombies? Like, like what what are they? So, I guess guess I'll go ahead and and open up the floor to you. What subgenres do you see this movie bleeding into? Yeah, I feel like whenever I first watched it, like, probably as a high schooler, 
uh, I feel like I would have said zombie, but now that I'm older and wiser, <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like it's definitely more of a possession movie. And then also, I think, like, you know, it kind of set up the trope of a haunted cabin in the woods, which is not a genre in and of itself, but it's something that's used so often as a setup for horror films of different genres that I think is really interesting. Absolutely. That was something I had. I kind of had, like, made up subgenre of just going into the woods mm-hmm. and shenanigans happen, <laughs> whatever yeah. that means. Uh, I, I love a good horror movie that's set in the woods. I I also had Possession as well. I feel like that is that like the is that the biggest umbrella term we could use for this movie is Possession, or maybe just like demonic. Demonic. Okay, I, I guess the the tape recorder does does specifically say demonic. I believe. Mm-hmm. The yeah, Cardarian yeah. demons. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's a trope. I also feel like that it's kind of a subgenre just to like that is used to sort of give people an idea what they're in for a heck like body horror like subgenre is oh, in this oh yeah for sure there's so much mutilation in this movie so much <laughs> um i posited this kind of like idea of the horror hangout movie during my uh slumber party massacre episode mm-hmm. there's so little plot here and all they're doing is just going to a cabin for whatever reasons and just hanging out is can we call this a horror hangout movie? I think so. I feel like this is almost like the quintessential horror hangout movie. Um, I feel like maybe even more so than a slumber party massacre because at least in that, like, they have some sort of like cushion of still being in their suburb and there are other people around, even though all those other people are like not helpful in any way. But <laughs> um. Like, in The Evil Dead, they're completely isolated. The only thing that's happening is, like, they presumably, like, come to this cabin for, like, teenage debauchery or whatever. <laughs> um, and now they're being terrorized by demons. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you there. I, I definitely think it's a, it's a horror hangout for sure, and things kind of just happen. Um, it it is I, I do because we do get like the scenes of seeing what everybody's kind of up to like we kind of just see how Cheryl is just like drawing a picture of that clock, mm-hmm. um and then Ash and Linda are kind of like having like this very weird out of focus romantic bit going on mm-hmm. in the other room, mm-hmm. and I don't quite get what it is that he's doing. He's like pretending to fall asleep while presenting. <laughs> the box with the necklace in it i didn't really get what his plan was here um that always confused me yeah it doesn't seem very well thought out no it was like wait so are you like trying to show how excited you are you got or something that you fell asleep what <laughs> I, I, I don't get it it's also i also it also cracks me up just how out of focus this seat this shot is it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty funny um but yeah and then I, I don't know if we ever see what Scotty and Shelly are up to. I don't remember seeing this. it. No, I guess maybe they're the ones that are like actually cooking food or like mm-hmm. making the dinner. Um, but yeah, no, and they're just, you know, they're just hanging around listening to our archaeology podcast that happens to raise the dead later on. It's great. <laughs> um, I was trying to think. I was watching this. I was thinking, you know, there's so much gore. It's so campy. There's so much like 
running around and chase scenes. I was like, it's not a slasher, but I was like, I could kind of see where like somebody could say like there's some some recipe for like slasher in this. It's just that there's not like that singular thing mm-hmm. hunting and picking people off one by one. I feel like uh, the horror hangout movie that you're talking about is often a slasher. And so it kind of has that same feel where like, oh yeah, we're all like in an isolated area. We're all like stupid teenagers just doing what stupid teenagers do. And now something awful is happening. Um, mm-hmm. And you still have like the final character who has fought off the big bad for the whole movie. No, yeah, no, you're totally right about that, about like how it kind of does feel like that like a slasher at certain mm-hmm. points but yeah it it never like really crosses that line it very much kind of stays and like no no this is demonic possession with like gooey demons that this is what it is yeah. um i i do love how you keep bringing up the isolation part of this it's i think one of my favorite things about this that like you do feel how just like enveloped they are in the woods in this mm-hmm. and one of my favorite parts is when because they kind of do the thing that you always wish your horror survivor characters to do is like just leave just get in the car and go and they get in the car but like you see like they can't because the woods have like crumpled the bridge and it looks like a claw and it's so wonderful and it's also just like fuck we are like completely cut off or stuck here in the woods it's so great yeah, and then you also don't even have, like, the safety of daylight because that's, like, when Ash gets got at the end of the movie. <laughs> oh, very good point. Also, that's how the movie opens up. It opens up in daylight, and something I never picked up on, I don't know how, is that, like, when the evil is zooming and it zooms to to the to the Oldsmobile that they're driving, mm-hmm. Scotty kind of, like, loses control of the car. I never, like, quite realized that, like, it was actually the evil, like, hitting him or whatever that's like made him swerve into the other Mm -hmm. other lane yeah i don't think i've ever picked up on that either actually lots of hand manipulation early on in this because with him driving and then with cheryl drawing like fucks up that and draws the the book Mm -hmm. um and then you know later on i believe it's linda or no 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 not linda shelly uh, him and her and Scott are fighting, and he's trying to like saw off her hand, and she like yeah. I'll finish it for you, and just oh. bites it off. Oof. Yeah. Also, yeah. uh, rewatching it recently, I think I noticed for the first time that whenever um, Shelley's drawing, you can see that her hand is like white and veiny now. Yes. I I'm I'm trying to figure out, like the rules for this about like what. Like, did she, like, touch something? I'm trying to remember if there was, like, anything that, like, she did specifically that made the the evil, like, single her out first out of the group. I think, and, like, I don't think that there's anything, like, concrete. This is definitely it. But she seemed kind of the most skittish and maybe the most, because Shelly's, is Shelly Ash's sister? Yes. So maybe she has. Oh like, no 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 no. Uh, Cheryl Cheryl's Ash's Cheryl sister. Cheryl's sister. Okay, never mind. Um, but yeah, she just sort of seems like the most skittish one there. Maybe the most standoffish because you know she goes and sits outside and draws on the porch where everyone else is hanging out inside, and maybe has the least kind of social connection with the group. 
Hmm. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's a good point. It could be like a thing of, oh, I'm just, I'm just my older brother's little sister. I'm just here because he's being nice, letting me hang out with his friends for a weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because the thing with the drawing happens before um they even touch the tape recorder. Yeah, it does actually. That's a good point. It's very weird. Right. There's definitely evil here already. You just haven't quite woken it up yet. So honestly, I feel like this movie is really loose with its rules. <laughs> it's sort of just like, yeah, like if it's scary and fun, we'll let it happen because um it's a little bit just like confusing about when someone's going to turn into a demon, you know? Um I think there's some element of like if you get injured by mm-hmm. A deadite, you're probably going to turn into one, but like, you know, are we counting like psychological damage? Uh, which it seems like we are, especially because of how much the deadites like torment Ash, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They do that awful, mean like trick on him with both Linda and she- uh, not Shelly, Linda and Cheryl that like. Mm-hmm during like mid possession they'll turn back into like their human forms and be yeah. like help us ash or whatever Which is it's just it's awful it's very mean very mean yeah. evil very mean right because you're like oh maybe my friend's still in there yeah yeah it's <laughs> so so manipulative mm-hmm. um <laughs> and I, I i am curious about like the perspective of the people being possessed like how much like sentience do they have like that can they see what's going on are they like feeling like upset about what's happening to them and what they're doing now i don't think that's ever really addressed except for maybe in the a little bit in the second movie whenever ash feels his hand starting to get possessed and he's obviously distressed by it but that is an excellent point and not that this really answers it but i do mm-hmm. love how you're talking about like the, the pov of the deadites and like you know what's actually going on i do love that we get we do get a lot of POV from the Cheryl Deadite from the cellar. Mm-hmm. And we see so much like the camera looking through like the crack of the cellar door and seeing everybody react to her is very cool. That's a very cool way to to portray how they're feeling and everything. I I, I did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So, getting into the fear analysis of the Evil Dead, according to Dr. Carl Albrecht, there are five types of fears that all humans share psychologically, and those are the fear of extinction or death, mutilation, body invasion, loss of autonomy, separation, abandonment, or rejection, and then finally, humiliation, shame, or worthlessness, i.e. the death of ego. Um, Ash, I will kind of start with you. And don't feel like you have to stick to these five. Uh, this is kind of like a launching pad to get the, the juices going. But uh, what types of fears do you see this movie playing yeah. off of? I feel like, honestly, a lot of these. Um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, extinction, bodily invasion. Those are kind of like the easy ones. Humiliation, mm-hmm. shame. The demons just torment Ash the entire time. Um, but then I think the one that like as I think more about this movie um, I feel like uh, the one that really hits me is separation and abandonment at least from Ash's POV because like I was saying earlier like all his friends are dead his girlfriend that he just gave this 
like seemingly like emotionally important necklace to is dead mm-hmm. and beheaded uh she couldn't even wear the necklace anymore if she wanted to um, oh that's such a good point holy crap i never thought of thought of yeah. that yeah and so like all of the important people in his life are gone now there's like no way of undoing the curse on them either yeah no that that's very good i i kind of said like all of them except for hum- humili- humiliation shame worthlessness because i wasn't really getting that but you made an excellent point about the humiliation with how those other deadites are like tormenting him throughout this whole movie and kind of doing like that mean trick that we just talked about. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a good thing. I didn't, I never really thought about. Um, I feel like that the biggest one in this for me, I know you said separation for you, for me, it was the mutilation body invasion was just like, to me, just the most, you know, upfront thing of like, this is, this is gross. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like the stuff that we get from the deadites, but there's also kind of like this very icky sort of like bodily invasion thing that we get with like the the tree rape scene in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that is that is tough. That that there's there's a lot going on there to unpack. That is um, pretty. While it's kind of like done in sort of like a pretty campy sort of way to not be like overtly brutal about it or anything, it's still fucking terrifying. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's not very fun to watch and i think you know, we had talked about rape and revenge movies in a different conversation and i feel like it gives me sort of the same feeling where i'm like this i like i don't really need to see this specifically mm-hmm. um and i think actually sam raimi has said that he regrets putting that scene in the movie Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels unnecessary, but it definitely does. Like, I definitely feel the fear of bodily invasion from that for sure. The actress that was playing Cheryl said that she didn't, she wasn't told like what that scene was going to ultimately be because mm-hmm. apparently, like the tree branch that like falls down, she said that like they didn't actually shoot that. That was like something done in post production. Mm-hmm. So like. She 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 said she kind of had like a small idea of like what was happening just because like the vines around her legs and everything, but like she didn't really understand what it actually was until she saw it. And she said when she saw it like in the theater, her like jaw dropped. She's like, "Oh my god, I didn't know that this is like what they were going for with this scene." Because again, so much of it was done in post production, mm-hmm. which is just like yikes. That's kind of that's a rough one to to find out about. Right, yeah, that's not a great thing to do to one of your actors. It's not. And, you know, not that, like, it gives him a pass or anything, but Sam Raimi, as you said, he he does regret this. I think he, like, kind of chalked it up to, I was 20, I was just trying to do, like, something edgy, and I ended up doing something that was just offensive. Mm -hmm. The mutilation body invasion is, like, some of the stuff that I get the most from this, because there's so much body horror in this. Uh, The loss of autonomy, you know, with just being the... the the possession and all the stuff like becoming a deadite and all of that that is i think also extremely terrifying in this um and then you kind of get like the opposite or like the flip side of that with the fear of death but it's like from ash's perspective as we kind of talked about already it's like that thing of it sucks that like his loved ones and friends have become deadites or are now dead it's like oh now i'm the one that has to do the dirty business and like chop them up Right, um, yeah yeah so it's literally it's, it's now that fear of like 
having to literally confront death and like make it happen to these people that still kind of look like your friends um Mm -hmm. yeah so that's rough yeah and then also like uh i think after an experience like this there's like no way to go back to normal life and he doesn't like (laughs) he goes through a bunch of different dimensions fighting demons for the rest of his life uh this this is his life now yeah this is his life now exactly Mm -hmm. um and i think just like yeah like the combo of all these things it's horrifying and there's like no real way to like move on from it would if ash williams were to ever like get out of this would he be the would he become the opposite of an environmentalist would it be like no fuck nature <laughs> burn we need the forest to get rid of, burn the forest <laughs> get rid of all the trees maybe that's what <laughs> happened to the cabin actually <laughs> <laughs> he just becomes like the ceo of like exxon mobile or something like <laughs> yeah so yeah i i don't know what happens to his character that's like one of the most like unanswerable questions you know like what does he look like on, how does ash williams look like on monday morning mm-hmm. you know do you have anything or a few like nominees or whatever for the scariest aspects or the scariest scenes from this movie it's always the pencil stabbing that gets me Ooh, like okay it's it's not even that intense you know but like we were talking about it earlier, it's just, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, you could just stab someone with a like. People have pencils; they could just do it, and like, it's really like the digging in, and like, I feel like every time I watch it, I sort of get the like cringe and like look away and look from behind my hands sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. And she, she is like really fucking selling it too, because I love like she kind of like really like yanks her hand up to like mm-hmm. strike down and like her head like twists and everything yeah. and she, she's really fucking selling how much force she is putting behind this yeah it's very campy too <laughs> it is and it's just so much more sinister too because like during like all like the evil acts they're kind of like laughing as they do it mm-hmm. it's, it's so good that's a great pick i kind of had two choices um I think mine is just because I, I think of like the like the images of like like what's like burnt in my brain, like what I don't want to be looking at. And <laughs> it's just like full on raging deadite Cheryl in the cellar. Like yeah. she keeps like banging the door up and you see just like a little bit of her face. That's fucking iconic. terrifying. Yeah. I, I kind of just like had that as the scariest thing. And then I also think of things that like really like make my spine just like tingle a little bit there's like something that's like chilling and it's that shot that close-up of i believe shelly at when they're eating dinner and you just see the cellar door just pop open and it's just like fuck what was that yeah so those are my top two scariest moments for this Mm -hmm. yeah the cellar door popping up that's the moment where i would be like all right let's go we're leaving there's someone or something in this cabin I don't think that I would go straight to Kandarian demons, but I think I'd be like, no. "There's someone here. We shouldn't be here right now." I'm drawing a line. I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand. Don't read the Latin. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, you it never read the Latin. Never, never, never. Uh, I believe it's not Latin in this. It's a Sanskrit. I think they mm-hmm. say, but whatever. Uh, it's a dead language. Right. Um, it kind of bugs me that because they do have a small conversation of 
what could have that been? What could have opened that? And they like Scotty like kind of like laughs at them. Like those are like all stupid ideas you all thought of, but they just never circle back to it. Right? It's like, so you know? what do you think it is, Scotty? Like Yeah, it's how about you throw not... out some ideas, fucker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something you want to mess with. No, and then him and Ash go down there, find nothing, but I have so many questions actually for this this fucking basement because they like, I don't know it's presumed that like this cabin is is like so fucking old it's like a hundred years old or whatever but there's like a little bit of a poster of like of uh, the hills have eyes mm-hmm. that Wes Craven movies down there it's kind of like why is that here <laughs> yeah and there's a sh- there's a shotgun okay interesting why do they i mean i guess they're in the woods i guess they just like need a shotgun regardless but mm-hmm. i don't know they find that dagger the tapes and everything all this is saying this, this this doesn't add up you know you see you see those tapes you see the dagger you see the shotgun you see the ripped up poster for the hills have eyes all this says you shouldn't be here <laughs> yeah get out now leave make like a grappling hook to get across the broken bridge yeah yeah and uh, swim i don't know yeah figure it out (laughs) i don't know (laughs) uh something that kind of does bug me oh i don't know if it bugs me i kind of do find it hilarious that like when scotty tries to leave and then like moments later he comes back just all beat up he's just like the fucking woods beat the shit out of me (laughs) (laughs) i would have liked to see that (laughs) right yeah and also just like what, how about now, Scotty? You've been kind of being an asshole. Like, <laughs> you've been taking this all super lightly. Yeah. Um, I I also have to critique his driving. Oh, not like his driving, but it it was bugging me that he was driving with just an open mason jar of water. Just that's, <laughs> that's not a great cup for liquids to be driving with because there's mm-hmm. no lid. It's just gonna be sloshing all over the place. <laughs> Especially with uh, demonic forces pushing you around. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking animals. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so th- those were the two things I had as like the scariest were the full-on Deadite Cheryl just like banging on the cellar door and you see her face through the crack. It's so scary. I like also like how like kind of peeling her makeup looks and like thick. Yeah, yeah. It kind of adds to, to it. It's like, you know, they're just like, they're being like ripped apart from, from the inside. Um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised I haven't mentioned this yet, but you kind of just reminded me by mentioning the makeup, but like the the glass white contacts that they all had to wear when they were deadites. Um, Sam Raimi talked about that. Like they had to go see an optometrist, and the optometrist had to teach Sam Raimi how to put it in the actor's eyes for them. Oh, and terrible. he said he was like really freaked out because they could only wear them for like 15 minutes at a time the actors are completely blind when they have them in. And he said he was really worried because they were two hours from like anything if they needed help. He was like, so if I like, if one of my actors like fucks up their eyes because of the contact lens, like we can't get them anywhere super quick. Um, And they can only wear them for like 15 minutes at a time because like if they wear them for too long, they'll like start to go blind. But I think it was the actors that played Cheryl uh, she was apparently just like a rock star at them, and she was just like, "I don't care. I'll wear it for like forty five minutes, just so we can get as Whoa. many takes as we can." And she was just like, "No, like I'm keeping them in. We're just going to get this done." Uh, That's another nope moment for me. Like, <laughs> I have friends who uh do cosplay, 
and they'll wear like the the contacts that are like for cosplay are not quite that intense but a lot of them like i think the max you can wear them is two hours without uh like eye damage and don't Mm -hmm. quote me on that because i don't want to be wrong about something (laughs) potentially medically important either way you can't wear them very long and i'm just like you know what i don't need to do that yeah, it's it, it's 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 too much. It's too much. Yeah. We don't need to commit that much to this student film, basically. <laughs> um, uh, man, so yeah. Any other sc- scary aspects about this that you wanted to mention before we move on? I don't think so. I think like uh, yeah, we pretty much touched on everything. Getting to the message of this movie. So this is kind of like a segment where we can kind of just put on our tinfoil hats and just <laughs> throw out any takes, interpretations, messaging. What is this really trying to say that you want to for this? To be honest, I'm kind of stumped for this movie because there's not that much dialogue. There's not a whole lot of plot. It's just kind of like, hey, life is fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> when life gives you deadites, you know, you just kill him. I I don't know. I, I I'm kind of stumped at any sort of cool interpretation <laughs> for this movie. Yeah, maybe if you find a book bound in human skin and written in human blood, like maybe just don't <laughs> fuck with it. Like it's gross, anyways. Like just it's so baseline. Gross. It's so gross. gross. Also, one of my favorite <laughs> line deliveries in this is from that tape recorder. Uh, bound in human flesh, inked in human blood. It's just like, how do you know that, dude? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, where did you get this? Like, did you dig up a tomb or something? Maybe that's the real message is don't go fucking with other people's shit. Yeah, like that that archaeologist that somehow wound up in this Tennessee cabin left that there for a reason. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. I really want to know more about this archaeologist and like what his story was and him going through the excavation and finding these things. I... I wouldn't mind that backstory, that prequel, I think would be kind of fun. Yeah, I think that'd be really interesting. It also kind of reminds me of The Omen, which it's been a while since I've watched it, but I remember there's some backstory having to do... Was it The Omen? Is it The Exorcist? Or was it The Exorcist? Yeah. It's The Exorcist, yeah. Um, I was thinking about the scene in The Omen where they uh go to like dig up his mother's body and it's actually a jackal or like a wolf oh yeah um but no i was getting the scenes confused at the beginning of the exorcist when they dig up like the idol Mm -hmm. of yeah um and then i guess like it gets brought back to the u.s it's sort of a similar vibe to me of just like yeah you know i found this thing don't really know what it does but uh it's mine now it's very much kind of like that that like hubris that people have of like oh this isn't of like my culture whatever so i'm not going to respect it and i could do it i could i could futz with it as much as i want and nothing's going to happen because it's bullshit right in this movie it's not it's like people yeah well it's like how uh archaeologists like dug up um egyptian graves and then all ended up getting sick because there was like i guess i think it was bacteria trapped down there yeah you know hadn't seen the light of day in (laughs) hundreds of years uh and then everyone thought it was a curse of course (laughs) um but yeah it's it's that same sort of idea as that 
real world example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So I, I I guess that's something there we came to. There's there are you know it's just about people's hubris and how mm-hmm. we've said there are so many red flags they should have turned around, but they all just said, "Oh, it's fine. We're going to be okay. It's whatever." And that's what this movie's about. It's about their hubris, right? Like instead of like calling the person who is scared and wants to leave a pussy, like maybe listen to them. Yeah. Maybe they're actually on to something. Also, Cheryl looks like she got fucking beat up by the woods. You know? Like, she comes back in. Right. Regardless if you thought it was a literal tree that attacked her or, hey, there's a person out there that did this, you should probably leave. All of you. I, I never quite understood how they thought that, like, that, that there was an outcome, that there was an answer to what happened to her that was okay enough for them to still stay there and not take it seriously. Right. So weird. Like, maybe try a little harder. I feel like someone could have crossed the river, at like, in some way and gotten help. Just figured something else it out. Also, <laughs> you, find, you don't find this out until the end of the movie when the camera is doing its little zoomy, but there's other cabins behind them. Just... Maybe go stay in one of those where there's not a cellar. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's going to say anything? You know that all the keys are because they all just like, kept them on a little ledge on, on the front door. I don't know. I just, I just kind of find that really funny that like this whole time they're like, we could have stayed there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Neat. Uh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to they're going to get the worst uh, Airbnb review from from their host. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're gonna be like, yeah, they went through all my shit. They found my Necronomicon, and oh my god, it got a fucking mess. I gotta, gotta do now. <laughs> they left a bunch of guts on the floor. <laughs> I gotta scrub all the blood out of my floorboards. <laughs> there's this dead eye. There's this trapped in my cellar. I now I gotta hire a guy to to deal with that. And <laughs> oh my goodness, and they left this old old mobile here, man. All right, it is time for our final segment of this episode and how I end every episode, and that is with the Cabin in the Woods Trinket. Uh, This is a fantastic movie for this because, as we kind of talked about already, this is the reference point for the Cabin in the Woods. Uh, So, Bash, what movie props or items would you want to put in the basement and then a Cabin in the Woods to summon the evil and to make some deadites? Yeah, I mean, the most obvious... Is obviously the Necronomicon, but I feel like that's too easy of an answer, you know? Um, I feel like if you wanted to, like, specifically summon one of the demons from this movie specifically and not just a deadite, I feel like um, the necklace that Ash uh, gives to Linda. That's a good one. A good trinket. It's also what he uses to grab the Necronomicon at the end to throw it in the fire. Yes, which was a f- kind of frustrating to watch, but yes, that was. I was like, someone get this man one of those like sticky hands. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. Um, that would have been great. I want someone to edit that. <laughs> oh my god. Um. I th- okay. So, so I, I like this little game now. You said like what would be like for each specific deadite. So so that's so that's the Linda Deadite, the the necklace, mm-hmm. uh, the Cheryl Deadite. So the first one we get, I think I'm going to have to go with the deck of cards because that's kind of like how 
it, oh, it gets yeah. revealed. She's able to sort of like do do the Anakin Skywalker mind trick. You know, it's a cup, it's a ship. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. that's a good scene. It too. is. It's honestly, it's it. That is a really good reveal of like her being like, no, these are the actual cards. You fucking nimwit. You want to see some magic? I'll show you some magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So I'll do the deck of cards for her. Uh, for Shelly, ah, crap, I forget. I was going to say the pencil would be a good one. Uh, yeah. But I don't know who, I, I can't remember who that was specifically. I can't remember which one it is. I feel like Shelly and Cheryl have very similar names, and I keep mixing them up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and they all kind of sort of look the same a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Could you imagine just picking up a pencil and suddenly a deadite? well you, you gotta do like something with it you know you gotta like yeah you, you gotta ink in human blood with with the pencil or something <laughs> uh yeah that's a touch human blood yeah. oh yeah that's it it has to touch human blood yeah um it's a very hellraiser type yeah thing. for sure um i also had the tape recorder as being one of the things yeah. I, that's i think one of my favorite things from this movie is the whole tape recorder but yeah, I mean, besides all of that, I was just going to say, just just say fuck it and put the 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale down there. <laughs> just put that whole fucker down there. Yeah. Uh, I think also a chainsaw to summon Ash specifically. Yes, but that is good. <laughs> the The chainsaw becomes more prevalent in the other movies. That's true. He does still use it in this one, I think, doesn't he? He, to, he like revs uh, it. And he like tries to like, you know summon up the courage to behead linda but like he has a breakdown he can he, he puts can't it away do. yeah fair enough i probably would too honestly yeah i guess for ash ju- just a bucket of blood that dude gets covered in blood in this movie <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> could you imagine just walking out of your basement uh there's a bucket of blood <laughs> what hey guys should this be here <laughs> scotty's like oh i don't know let's just bring it up you you, you pussy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's figure out what blood type this is. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bash, for coming on to talk about The Evil Dead. Uh, this was a ton of fun and a big movie that has been on my list to cover. So thank you so much for coming on to talk about it with me today. Yeah, of course. It was really fun. I love this movie. It's so good. Um, Bash, where can people find you and your articles? Yeah, so I'm at horrorpress.com. Um, if you go to the contributor pages, I'm Bash Ortega, and if you go there, you can find all of my articles that I've written for Horror Press. My art is on Instagram, and it's ratking.all.hail, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'll tweet stupid things about horror movies, uh, and it's ratking underscore all hail. Awesome. I will be sure to put links in the show notes for your socials and to your uh, horror press co- uh, contributor page uh, thank you again and thank you everybody for listening to this um, please be sure to be following me on twitter and instagram at brucker horror be sure to check out the patreon at patreon.com slash brucker horror got some fun stuff going on there and i want to say thank you to the current patrons which are james cleveland tiffany and jasher thank you guys so much and i'll see you guys next time with another spooky movie and bash thanks again or, or this was a lot of fun Yeah, no problem. Anytime. All right. You guys be sure to watch some good movies. Bye.